This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was a lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voice of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voice of San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning. My name is Scott Lewis. I'm the editor-in-chief at Voice of San Diego and the host of Good Schools for All and the Voice of San Diego podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring one of our podcasts and associating your company's name or message with the great shows we produce, please let us know. Contact Aaron Zlotnick at Aaron at voiceofsandiego.org. That's E-R-I-N at voiceofsandiego.org. This episode is brought to you by Competitive Edge Research and Communication. Competitive Edge Research and Communication is San Diego's premier polling firm dedicated to quality research since 1987. John Neenstedt, president of Competitive Edge, proudly supports Voice of San Diego and other local civic organizations. Yes, I vote because I feel like as an African-American female, like I want my voice to be heard. Um, Conservative values. So I vote very conservative. So I try to vote for candidates that have very conservative viewpoints. Oh, I don't vote anymore now. Why not? Um, Just because I don't. um... I vote because it is our right to vote, and I take it seriously. This is San Diego Decides, a podcast by Voice of San Diego. I'm Sarah Libby, and I'm here with my pal, Rye Rivard. Hey, Sarah Libby. Hey. Welcome back to the podcast. What is up, Rye? Not much, Sarah. How are you? Doing good. I missed doing this, though. It's been a little bit of a slow summer after the primary. We took some time. The June 7th primary where you great Californians and great San Diegans decided? They did deciding. That's what they engaged in. Absolutely. Um, So now there's a lot more deciding that folks are going to have to do. And um, here's a a little listen at what that's going to sound like. That's the draft of the California General Election Official Voter Information Guide, which all y'all are going to be getting in the mail pretty soon from the Secretary of State's office, telling you about ballot measures, among other things. So this is a behemoth. It is hulking. What are the other scary words you want to describe? It took about a half hour to print off of the website. Yeah, it's double-sided, the version that we printed, and it still produced that massive sound. I feel like it would double as a pretty good uh, bookend, doorstop. Um, It's bigger than a phone book, I feel confident saying. And again, that's double-sided. And it's uh, been nearly blowing away on my desk because there's winds in our office, I suppose. Yeah, so our thought was kind of, it's August, maybe if we start talking about it now... (laughs) We'll get a decent amount of the way through it by November. Yeah, and and you can start your book club now. You should be getting this in the mail later this month, I think. Um, so, you know, go to your your church group, your lunch group, uh, you, you know, your dinner group, and and set up a sort of a, a book club to read the voter guide, so you can make informed decisions on the numerous statewide ballot measures, um, which this talks about. But that doesn't even include the local ballot measures, the county ballot measures, the city ballot measures, and then you know you're going to have to decide what people you want to put in office. Yeah, so those are important caveats. We got a better look um, lately at what's going to be on that local ballot, Lila Hills Ranch, um, parks, 
San Diego High, the way that we elect people in San Diego, all of those are going to be issues that are headed to the ballot now. The probationary period for district attorneys? Sure. big deputy district attorneys? Big hot button issue that's on everyone's mind. <laughs> just can't get people to shut up about probationary periods for deputy DAs. But that's a... A subject for another episode. And so on this thing, I mean, you're, you're talking about there's going to be two measures on here about the death penalty, one to end it, one to, uh, you know, in, in, in some version of the argument, make it uh, easier or at least quicker uh, to put people on death row or to execute them. Um, there's two plastic bag measures on here. You got some bond issues. Uh, you got some tax extensions. You got a cigarette tax, uh, criminal justice reform. You know, what do you want to do with English education and school? Things that, you know, somebody else that you elected could maybe decide. Um, but no, it's now up to you. It's now up to you. So yeah, there are 17 measures on the state ballot so far. There is a possibility that there will be more um, by the time we get to November. Um, In the last couple weeks, uh, the Secretary of State has cleared the way for a number of uh, gun control measures to be added to the ballot. Now, these would overturn some of the new gun laws um, that the governor just signed. So... um, that could happen. It sounds like it's a, a bit of a long shot um, that they would collect all those signatures in time. But that's one of the things that we're kind of keeping an eye on because this could get even longer and that sound as we drop it onto the desk could get louder. Um, so let's talk about how this thing is actually laid out. Again, this is the the draft of the state voter guide, the thing that's going to hit your mailbox and that you can hopefully study um, to get a sense of, of where you stand on all these different measures. Um, and here are some of the things that are in the voter guide to help you do that. So each of the ballot measures has quite a few different components in the voter guide. So the first is what's called the ballot label, and that's just a short description of what the measure is. Um, a brief mention usually of how much money it would cost or how much money it would save, or in some cases both, depending on on what it is. And then there's something that's called the yes or no statement, and this is actually really helpful, I've found, um, because it doesn't matter necessarily how you feel about the issue. It's, it's how the measure is structured. Um, you know, for example, back when we were voting on Prop 8, You might have been for gay marriage, um, but that would mean you're voting against Prop 8. And so sometimes it can be really confusing to keep track of whether you're actually voting yes or no on a measure, even if you know how you feel about it, you know, from like a big picture perspective. Um, So this just says really definitively, it gives you a little cheat sheet. If you vote yes on this measure here is what you're doing. Yeah, and it's like at dinner, if somebody says, you want some more salad, and you say, yes, no, I'm good, uh, you're going to have to be a little bit more precise uh, when you actually vote uh, than yes, no, I'm good. Exactly. Um, So there's a yes or no statement, there's the ballot label, and then there's a whole analysis section um, from the legislative analyst office, and this is like an impartial explanation that fleshes out all the things that this measure would do, who it would impact. Again, a lot of stuff about how much it would cost or how much money it would save. Um, And this is just supposed to be like third-party analysis. It doesn't weigh in either way with a recommendation. And then you do get people weighing in with their recommendations. And this part gets pretty interesting. And it's also like 
weird how it's structured. So there's an argument for the measure. Yes. Then there's a rebuttal to that argument. No, yes, yes. Yeah, and then there's an argument against the measure. Yes. And then there's a rebuttal to that argument. And, and before that, there's a little summary. Uh, in case you don't want to read all that other stuff before you make a really important decision, you can read a much more condensed version of the argument, your little Cliff Notes uh, version. Uh, and we're going to do, Let's. you want to do this? This is for uh, This is for Proposition 59. Which is kind of a weird one because it wouldn't really do anything. It's more of like a philosophical argument against Citizens United, the Supreme Court decision um, that opened up, you know, a lot of campaign finance issues. A yes means that voters would be asking their elected officials to use their constitutional authority to seek increased regulation of campaign finance spending. But it's only an advisory measure. And so a yes really means that you're just asking people that you've already elected, like to Congress or the legislature, to do things that you would want them to do anyway, but you would be voting here to tell them that you really want them to do it. Um, and then a no would mean that you're not asking them to do this thing. Why is this on the ballot? <laughs> um, so that's one of the arguments against it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that, those are my own <laughs> words, Sarah, Libby. I didn't write the official <laughs> ballot argument, but I'm going to um, play the part of yes on 59 for a moment um, and read the the argument in favor of this one. Vote yes on Prop 59 to tell Congress we want big money out of politics and overturn misguided Supreme Court rulings saying unlimited campaign spending is free speech and that corporations have the same constitutional rights as real people. Send a message to Congress that will hold them accountable. And the no argument is the legislature should stop wasting taxpayer dollars by putting do-nothing measures on the ballot and ask Congress to overturn the Supreme Court. Instead of wasting time and money on do-nothing ballot measures, politicians in Sacramento should focus on transparency and bringing jobs to California. Proposition 59 does nothing. Vote no. I mean, it literally does nothing. That, it that's absolutely not. does and, nothing. And some of the language in, in my section, the yes, is a little misleading because it, it includes the words overturn misguided Supreme Court ruling. It wouldn't do that. It's right. just saying we want our leaders to do that. Um, and of course, you're paying, it's basically a statewide poll yeah. uh, at the ballot box to, to get a sense of where people stand on something. So it's, it's basically a taxpayer, taxpayer funded poll. Um, to let yeah, people or just know. like a philosophical statement that we're collectively making that doesn't have any impact. And if you want to make that statement, then that's important. You could vote. I don't really still understand why it's important to put that on the ballot to do that. You could vote, uh, you know, for congressman or congresswoman or legislator who would do the same thing. I feel like we have. We have. <laughs> We've elected a lot of people to a lot of offices. It's something that we do. It's a, it's a sort of meta commentary on the situation that uh, California's in with all these ballot measures. It's basically a ballot measure to tell elected officials to do what people want to do who are elected by people to do them. And the whole ballot measure thing seems to be, a, in some ways, a, a way for these people who have been elected to not necessarily have to do and make hard choices, uh, so they just leave it up to the people. Yeah, and I think this giant stack that you see in front of us is kind of a reflection of a lot of things being kicked. 
yeah. to voters. I mean, you're basically playing legislator for a day. Yeah, good for you. Good for all you guys. Yeah. Got quite a promotion there on November the 6th, 7th, 8th. Seems like something we should know. It's on the front and of the voter right guide. It's right there on the front of that, the voter guide. If you get no further than that, you'll at least know that uh, the election is on Tuesday, November 8th. November the 8th. Keep it in mind. Yeah. So all of those things that we just mentioned, label, yes or no statement, analysis, arguments for, arguments against, rebuttals to arguments for, rebuttals to arguments against, that happens 17 times in this voter guide. And so it's quite lengthy and it's a lot to process. And so we're just getting you ready uh, for this this thing that you're going to get in the mail. Uh, eventually, you know, in the, in the course of the next couple of weeks and months, we're going to actually talk about some of these things on the show. And, and of course, we've been reporting on some of them. Yeah, but it's a lot. I don't think we'll be able to get through it all. I hope that you're able to get through as much as you can, but hopefully this kind of eases you into the water of of what you're going to go through. It's like a syllabus at the beginning of, uh, of the fall semester. Yeah, and it's a big one. All right, so now you have sort of an idea of what you're going to see as you go through this voter guide. Ryan, I just wanted to sort of share kind of our first impressions, um, big picture, as we made our way through the voter guide. And it's many, 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 many pages. Um, One thing that struck me, just kind of big picture, that I actually really enjoyed is this weird... Um, dichotomy throughout the voter guide of at the very beginning and the very end. At the very beginning, you have um, a few notes from the Secretary of State um, about voting itself and what a honor and a duty and a privilege it is. And and here are the ways in which you can vote and here are your rights as a voter. And just these like really high-minded ideals about voting and about America. And then you get further into it and you just get into these like really nitty gritty policy details about hospital bonds and, you know, all these really complex issues. And then um, as you get toward the back of the voter guide, you go back to these really high minded ideals. You have um, statements from all the parties, Democratic Party, Republican Party, other parties, Green Green, Party, Libertarian. Yeah. And so they're, you know, again, just these really soaring rhetoric about what they believe and what they want for America. Jobs, freedom, security, schools. They're all good. They're all in there. And I really liked that sort of emotional roller coaster that you went through on this voter guide where you're just like, here are your rights and your duties and here are all the great things that America could do for you. And also here is some really complex language about how we should fund bilingual education. Um, what sort of bothered me was these uh, short summaries. If you're tempted to not read the entire voter guide uh, and you just stick to the summaries, uh, you know, you'll get some pretty blunt um, and simplistic arguments for and against, you know, on the, on one of the uh, on the school bond measure, they'll be like, "We're going to build classrooms, and it's going to be great, and kids will be able to sing and dance in the rays of the sun." And and the against statement is, uh, you know, you're you're handing developers a bunch of money, and this is going to send the state into you know a crippling amount of debt. And um, 
there's really no middle ground there. I mean, if you go further on in the voter guide, you'll be able to read a, a sort of neutral analyst uh, statement analysis of it. But uh, you know, if you don't want to put all that time, time and effort into it, uh, you're really just getting um, some talking points, which you know everybody's used to seeing on television, uh, in, in TV ads, and and sort of hearing uh, in direct mail pieces, seeing in direct mail pieces. But uh, it's just it doesn't seem to be a great way to make an informed decision, um, especially when there are so many of them to make and so many important ones at that. There are. Um, is there anything that you learned about how to vote or voting as you went through this voter guide? So I say this because I, I learned a couple things. Okay. And one of the fun facts that I pulled out was, um, like I said, there are a lot of facts about, um, election day itself and, and where you can find your polling place and, and how to vote by mail and all of those um, things and there's a page that talks about um, whether you need to show ID to vote and the circumstances in which you might be asked for your ID um, and it's pretty much what you'd expect um, there's a, a list of the various types of IDs and this has been a really controversial issue in certain states um, not really in California but there's this list of types of IDs um, that you could produce if you're asked to provide your ID and they're you know driver's license passport Military ID, if you're a member of the military. And then health club ID is one. So, like, you could be accredited by the United States military or by 24-hour fitness. And they are both equal in the eyes of the state of California, apparently. So, good for you if you work out. I just, I, I imagine there are people that even forget to bring their health club ID to the health club. I'm wondering if they're going to remember to bring it to the polling place. Another one I was surprised to see on there is your credit card or debit card is an ID. Who knew? I didn't. I did not. Um, another, I just pulled a lot of treasures out of this guide. I really enjoyed it. Um, one thing I loved is that, so we've mentioned there's a huge number of ballot measures and that's what takes up like the lion's share of this voter guide. But at the very end, there is one statewide race between two candidates on the ballot and that's the race for the United States Senate. Um, and so, uh, it fleshes that race out and there's the statements from the two candidates. But before you get into the two candidates arguments, um, there's just a section that's here's what a United States Senator does. Um, and it's like, a really awesome little civics lesson. And I also would like to show it to reporters as kind of like a lesson, because I think if you ask somebody, what does a senator do? They would give you a like, blank stare and say nothing. <laughs> either that, or they would give you this detailed list of all the things they meet with constituents and they hold fundraisers and they pass laws and they do all of these things. It's such an important job. Um, it's really like two sentences long, the job description. And so uh, that was kind of funny to see. So it's basically um, they represent California's interests in Congress. They propose and vote on new laws and they confirm judges and other presidential appointees. Those are the three things a senator does. And I feel like if someone ever asks me, I'll have this wonderful, succinct answer and I won't have to like list, you know, the other 30,000 things a senator might do. Doesn't have ribbon cutting in it. It does not. Although that might 
fall under representing California's interest is making it look good by, you know, appearing at different things. Mm. There you go. That's what a senator does. Isn't that helpful? I've learned something new from the Great Voter Guide. Yeah, it's good. And then there's also giant photos of Loretta Sanchez's face and Kamala Harris's face in case that helps you for some reason. All right. Podcast is back, which means our favorite things are back. What was your favorite thing this week? So we've heard a lot about uh, Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump's uh, language. Uh, my favorite thing is vice presidential, Democratic vice presidential nominee Tim Kaine's language. Uh, it's something I've noticed uh, that I've done uh, in our sort of hiatus. I've reflected on how I speak on the podcast. And I notice that I repeat myself. I repeat myself. And uh, Tim Kaine, it turns out, does this. He's, you know, if you look at his uh, uh, DNC uh, speech, Democratic National Convention speech, where he accepted the nomination. He constantly was repeating himself. He said, and when I left high school, I knew that I wanted to battle for social justice, like so many of you, like so many of you. And then he asked at one point, he said, can I tell you a funny thing about the Senate? Can I tell you a funny thing about the Senate? And uh, he said, so let's let's talk about trust. Let's talk about trust. I want to tell you why I trust Hillary Clinton. Um, and then later he was talking about uh, how many words of Donald Trump's you should believe. And he said, not one word, not one word, not one word, which was the the rare triple repeat uh, by Tim, Tim Kaine, who normally I think does a double repeat. Um, so I'm just fascinated. I'm going to be listening to this uh, over the next coming months. I might report back on uh, if I can decipher um, – when he repeats himself in triplicate or doubles his sentences, uh, we'll see. That's so interesting. It's so funny to me um, how people have those ticks, both in the way they speak and also some of them emerge only in the way they people write. And that's something I see a lot as an editor. You know, I have this window into everybody's writing habits. Um, and I told Scott Lewis a few weeks ago, he was asking if he had any kind of of these ticks that appear in his writing and I said, absolutely, you have one. And I, it's in every single thing that you write. He writes the phrase, you see. And he doesn't say this when he's speaking, but he'll say, you see, the Senate had a job to do. You see, the reason they passed the law was because X. And it's in literally everything he writes. And I don't think he even realized that it was happening. And you there take you it go. out? Do you take it out now? You see... I often think it sounds strange. I let a few of them stay, um, but especially if it's like throughout the piece. Everybody has these weird ticks. I'm sure that I have quite a few when I write. We all do. Tim Kaine. What's your? But well, he actually he even does a bilingual repeat. He said uh, Hillary Clinton is listo. She is ready. She is ready. She is ready. So he repeated himself with ready three times in English and once um, the the Spanish version of the word ready listo. That's right. Yeah. So what is your favorite thing this week, Sarah Libby? My favorite thing is a show on HBO called The Night Of. Um, it's, I think, based on a BBC miniseries. I've got to tell you, I've had a lot of bad luck over the last few months with new shows. Everybody was talking up this Lady Dynamite on Netflix. Not for me. Not for me. <laughs> couldn't do it um i tried that show love on netflix also no <laughs> um this show is amazing 
It's got a little bit of like a serial vibe if serial were fictionalized. It's not exactly the same, um, but that's there's a, that's a podcast, right? Yeah, that's a podcast. Yeah. Um, but the story uh, is similar in that it's like a murder mystery and it involves a young, uh, like Arab American um, student. Um, and it's fantastic. Highly recommend. Um, and I feel like not many people have been talking about it. Stranger Things, that's another new show. Haven't gotten into that one yet. Um, but Night Of. That's do the one. it. Okay. That's the one. All right. All right. Well, there's going to be a lot of ballot measures to go through, a lot of crazy races, a lot of stacks of voter guides that we will slam into the microphone over the next few months. Get ready. Get ready.